My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer and more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Good afternoon, everyone. I am here today with Brad Glassell, a.k.a. B-Rad. Brad, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So we're going to start off today with me just asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and of course, please include one fun fact. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Well, I was uh, born and raised in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In the 80s, I did live in California for a little over a decade. Um, married for 30 years to my lovely wife, Alicia, and I have one daughter named Hope. Uh, my fun fact is I've done 26 triathlons. Wow. <laughs> so which one was the hardest? Uh, it was actually in the first year that I did it was the Santa Barbara triathlon, which is where I lived at the time. And it's kind of considered about two thirds to three quarters of the difficulty of an Ironman. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. I did not, I've known Brad for a while and I did not know that. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your diagnosis story. When okay. were you diagnosed? How it came about? You know, surgery, treatment, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, I was diagnosed in 2016. And how it happened is I, um, at the time, was on like individual health insurance, you know, not a group plan. So I hadn't gone to a physical for a few years, did have a physical. The general practitioner ran a blood test and then called me up and said, Hey, you've got a elevated PSA level, which is indication of prostate cancer. And so my first thing is, oh, well, you know, I've read about that, that that's accidental, that happens, it's not necessarily true. And uh, I said, should we run it again? He said, no, you're going to go have a biopsy. So uh, I had a a biopsy done. And uh, as the biopsy was done by the doctor there, I said, hey, I got a couple questions about prostate cancer. And he's handed me a book that uh, said 100 questions about prostate cancer and said, here, just take this. And I got home that night and I'm like, I I think I've got prostate cancer. And my wife's like, why? And I said, the doctor just doesn't hand you a book like that. (laughs) He didn't say anything though. He just handed really, no, not really. Cause he didn't, you know, he took the biopsy, but the biopsy results didn't come back. So I think by the level of the PSA, I think he, he pretty much knew it. You know, now I'm curious, what were they biopsying if they're just basing it on a PSA? Did they also have a like, was there a lump or was there something? So the biopsy to no, it basically that is the positive and negative about uh, prostate cancer is you can identify it very easily with Mm. 
PSA level. So that level in your blood will say that you, you're higher likelihood of prostate cancer. And so as things go along, you know, throughout the years, that's what they check. So okay. you don't do scans or anything like that. So that's your scan type hmm. thing that happens. It's that. And the biopsy is, uh, I don't want to get into too much detail, yeah. but it's, it's done in, in just like an office and uh, it, it isn't fun, but it isn't like, you know, uh, uh, surgery. Right. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Enough said. Yeah. So he sends you home with his book. Yeah. So we come back on, on uh, St. Patrick's Day in 2016. So that's where people always kind of say, you know, what's your anniversary? And that's mine. And basically said, yeah, you definitely have prostate cancer. Uh, I was considered stage three, which basically means there was like an 85% chance that it had spread to other areas. Wow. And so with that, um, you always look at prostate cancer. Will they do surgery to remove your prostate or something else? With that, they didn't want to do that because there was more chance to spread those cells around your body. And so I had a, a drug uh, regimen called Lupron, which uh, basically is like um, forced men's menopause. And uh, <laughs> oh boy, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was not, not fun at all. Uh, and uh, radiation, and then also what's called brachytherapy, which is like a direct introduction of, of radioactive material to your prostate and, and such. And so wow. went through that over the course of uh, like six to eight months in that drug therapy. And so that's what I had. And, and again, that was all done over the course of 2016 and everything's been uh, NED, no uh, evidence of disease since then. So awesome. that 85% chance we seem to have beaten that at this point. Awesome. Yeah. So when, when it came time for surgery and making decisions, was this pretty much the recommended course or did you have options or how did that work for you? Yeah, it, it's kind of funny because uh, I then went to uh, this reliable thing called Dr. Google. Oh yeah. Very reliable. Yeah, very yeah, reliable. It has all the answers. Right. <laughs> I did a lot of research on it and, and, and basically I think what a lot of people look at is again, are you going to have that surgery or not? And there are certainly can be byproducts of that surgery that are not good, but I read into it and I'm like, you know, something I, it's more important that I live. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. And I walked in there expecting that. And the doctor's like, no, I ain't going to do that. You know, Good. like you, you should do this radiation again. I, you know, didn't expect that possible uh, spread and all that, that they did not want to face. So, yeah. uh, so I did go along with their advice basically is the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. And what kind of side effects, if any, did you experience from besides the male menopause, which <laughs> well, it has its associated hot flashes and all of that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hot flashes, sweating, you know, stuff like that. Weight gain was a, a real challenge and, mm -hmm. and something that I kind of regret not taking as seriously. Um, mm -hmm. The normal radiation thing of, of uh, loss of energy, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah, it, it knocked me down pretty heavy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was your experience telling others? I'm assuming your wife was with you when you heard the news finally, yes. but what about telling your daughter, for example, and other people well, in your family? She actually did come along for mm. uh, the diagnosis, you know, and she was there for part of it and then left. And she's, you know, kind of a young teenager at the time. So, mm. you know, they, they're mentally a little bit different. I don't think it really scared her. And, and actually, I would say it's one of the things I regret is we didn't 
hmm. kind of didn't take it as seriously and communicated her too. But fortunately, everything went well. But I think um, we hmm. probably should have been a little more upfront. So, in terms of of helping her understand the seriousness of a cancer diagnosis, just in general. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and everything that it would go through and stuff. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, too, there at that time in life, you want them to live their life too, you know, and you don't right. want to scare them. So it's it's a balance. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, I was an insurance agent at the time, so I worked very publicly with people. Hmm. And so I did not tell any customers and stuff about that. So I wouldn't say it was hidden, but it wasn't a whole lot up front. It wasn't the type of thing where I put it on Facebook and, yeah. and stuff like that. But family certainly did know. Yeah. Right. What was the mental and emotional impact on you at the time? Okay. It was tough. Um, so, you know, like a lot of cancers, I again, the radiation was done five days a week for five and a half weeks. So every day you would go and have radiation done. And, uh, it, you know, it was it was tough to do that. Mm-hmm. stuff. And, and uh, you know, it, it in some ways it, it felt like your normal life was being taken away. You're just doing what everybody told you and stuff. But I, I think more than anything else, the the thing uh, is that they never recommended talking to anybody, you know, getting in any groups or anything like that. Like so therapy I, type I, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I did kind of feel like I faced it on my own. And if uh, you had to do over, would you have gotten into some kind of support group at the time? Yeah, you know, definitely. I mean, especially now that things are so much more available with even online, you know, things like that, you know, I have to go in in person and, and and stuff, you know, so yeah, Yeah. definitely. I actually did see a therapist, um, which was better than nothing, but that isn't the same. I think, you know, we'll get into it more, but yes. Yeah. yeah, it's not the same because they haven't gone through it, right? Well, yeah, and they, you know, you're there for whatever a half hour or something, and and you yeah. know, they're they're not the same people, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, with that in mind, what was life like before you went to Epic Experience? And then also, as part of that, tell me how you heard about Epic um, in the first place. Yeah. So the way I heard about Epic is again, as I said, I was a um, insurance agent. And the company that I worked for had their, you know, online, their, their stories and everything that they would put on their website. And there was a story on there about an agent who had won a golf tournament and donated his money to that, those winnings, I should say, to Epic. Hmm. And I read, and then it had a write-up of what Epic was. And I was like, wow, that was the first tonight I ever heard that anything like that existed. I didn't know. Wow. That's the first like organization like that. I was like, wow, you can go there and do stuff and things like that. So that's how I heard about it. And when was that? So that was uh, towards the end of 2016. And I went to camp in February of 2017. Oh, so right after. Great. Yeah, yeah right. And, and that was kind of one of the things uh, I think with it is that, uh, you know, as we know, Epic doesn't get as much participation from men. And I think they actually had a cancel or something too, but they're like, oh yeah, we can get you in there. (laughs) (laughs) So thinking about, so you found out at the end of 2016, went Mm -hmm. just a few months later. So what was life like at that point? And what were you kind of, what were your expectations from camp? What were you hoping to get out of it? 
Yeah, it was kind of funny. I think when uh, people talked about camp, you know, we did the interviews and stuff beforehand and and they were kind of like, you know, we can't tell you exactly what you're going to do and everything like that, but you're going to go to this place up in the mountains and spend, you know, the time with uh, 10 to 12 other survivors. And that's that's all I cared about. You know, all of being the with other survivors, yeah, right? Yeah. I was like, I never had the chance to share with anybody to talk with anybody. And that's really what I was after. And, uh, you know, I wasn't looking like it was going to be therapy or something, but I just wanted to meet other people. And and what are you going through? And what's it like with me and, and stuff like that? And, and the activities and everything, of course, were fantastic. But it was really that part is what I was after. So that was more, the, the activities were more of a bonus, right? So were you still doing triathlons during that time? No, or did you have no, to kind was, of take a break? Yeah. yeah that was like about 10 years after. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, maybe run a little longer in 10 years. Uh, I'll have to look back on dates or something. But anyways, no, no, I was I was kind of done with that. But thinking of the 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 physical mm-hmm. activities, mm-hmm. prior going to camp, were you still walking? Uh, yeah, were you still, yeah, you know, doing some okay. Yeah, actually, at that time, the thing that I kind of gave up after triathlons was running because I never, Mm -hmm. ever liked running. I just did it because you had to do it as part of three things. And it was a real challenge. But yeah, I still biked a lot. And and yeah, so I was definitely active. Uh, It was a time when I do a lot of camping and things like that, too. So yeah, and, and, um, you know, kind of during and after treatment, it was, okay, let's start by walking a block or two. And then let's go three or four blocks. So, so yeah, it was, it was kind of starting back up again. Did you find the activities at camp challenging? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, you know, felt I could do it or whatever, but yeah, it was hard. And actually, you know, one of the things too, and I started to divert off at the time, I, I just happened to be, had a, um, herniated disc in my back. Oh gosh. So that kind of piled on top of it, but then that was diagnosed in the middle of the other treatments because of a a MRI that was done. And so that had to be held off for a year because of the other stuff. So, uh, but yeah, it, you, you go through, you fight through stuff. That's, you know, yeah, that's the way it is. So knowing that you were kind of hoping to get out of camp, this experience of being with other survivors, Mm -hmm. how was that? When you actually got there and you met the people that you were spending the next week with, how was that for you? It was great. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, emotional and happy and, you know, everything in the world, you know, every everything like that, every emotion that you can go through good and and hard, you know, you listen to other stories and and feel bad about that, but feel good about where people are and all of that. So it was, it was really, uh, it was, it was exactly what I was hoping for. And have you maintained those relationships since? Yeah, definitely. As a matter of fact, it's kind of a, a funny thing where um, when we sat down to dinner, somebody sat next to me who was a uh, quite a bit younger woman than me. And we started talking a little bit. I don't know how it came up and, and, when's your birthday? I said, May. And she says, Oh, so is mine. And what day May 7th? She goes, so is mine. <laughs> We're like, uh, you know, 40 year difference twins. Awesome. And so, yeah, I was just, I actually just talked to her yesterday. That's awesome. Yeah. So you met, were there any other 
prostate cancer survivors there, or was there a wide variety of cancer types represented? Uh, yes, it was a wide variety. So it, it definitely was a variety of ages, cancers, everything, diagnosis, all of that. And no, there was nobody else with uh, prostate cancer. So what, so from that week and mm-hmm. those relationships, what have you brought back and kind of involved or meshed with your daily life now? The, the realization that there's a, a community out there. Mm-hmm. you know, that exists and other people and going through similar things and, and everything with that. Um, it, I think probably one of the biggest things I brought back is, um, or changes, I would say, is that I realized uh, probably part of what drove to this was stress level, job, mm-hmm. things like that. And I, and I made some big changes in my life. You know, I actually, it was kind of interesting It before I had gone to camp, I decided to make a change in career and I had worked for that company for like 16 years in different levels. And I contacted some people and I think it was the Wednesday that I was at camp. They called me up and offered me a different job. Oh, wow. And uh, so I was able to make that big of a life change during that for, oh, that's job. perfect. And, um, and then actually two years after that, I was able to retire. And so since then, I've gotten into to uh, more volunteer work, both with Epic and other organizations. And so that's probably a big change. What other things have you done to reduce stress? Because like you said, that it may have been a contributing factor. Right, right. Uh, part of it is I have a, a you know, different relationship with family or whatever, but I, I and on a small level, I guess, got a dog that is mm-hmm. my good buddy, you know, so kind of that emotional support animal, just a lot more outdoors. I Mm -hmm. love, I'm able to take the time now. I probably an average of three hours a day, I'm outdoors. Oh, that's awesome. Walking, hiking, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Go camping. I have like a teardrop trailer that I go camping in and, and things like that. So that's the one thing that I've been able to do. That is wonderful. If you think about uh, survivors who are listening, is there something I haven't asked you about that you would like to tell them? Um, I, I think uh, probably one of the, the big things is to start with is be an active participant in, in your care. Mm-hmm. You know, ask mm-hmm. a lot of questions, get involved. Uh, and I don't mean that you're going to necessarily doubt doctors or stuff like that, but it's like, what can you do for yourself? I've known of other people and family members that it, it, I don't think these things ever seem to go smooth hundred mm-hmm. percent for obvious reasons, because everybody's different. And so, you know, recording things, you know, uh, keeping things in mind, stuff like that. I think that it's not a problem to do some research on your own, but be very careful with that. The one thing that I found out is that um, it's kind of like if you ever read restaurant reviews, 90% of them are bad. That's because nobody does anything unless it's going wrong. And so when you research Hmm. those things, you're going to find the people who things have not gone good for primarily, because if it's going good, you're not looking for solutions. Interesting. I haven't thought of it that way. Yeah. yeah, I like that emphasis on being involved in your own care. And if you know, it can be overwhelming, right? Hearing all, so bringing someone with you to help you 
right? Ask the questions. Absolutely. All of Absolutely. That. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd be surprised if, you know, you come back and you say, that's what I heard. And somebody says, no, I heard something completely different. You know, <laughs> Definitely. Or Definitely. you talk to a doctor later and you said, you told me this, son. Uh, yeah. I didn't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's but I, true. I think the other thing too, is that maybe think about setting goals. Hmm. Like what? You know, like after treatment, I'm going to do this. Maybe a fun thing. Say like what we planned, uh, which is probably not the smartest one, by the way. I don't recommend this. <laughs> it's six months after treatment, we made a plan to climb Pikes Peak. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, it was. I actually made it nine tenths of the way. <laughs> oh my! Yeah. And, uh, and just just couldn't do it. It just was because it, it was still. I wasn't back, you know, to everything. Well, and but that's 14,000 feet. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. But it was just still a lot of fun and, and everything with it. And it was something to look forward to. You know, we're like, okay, we're going to do this six months from now. Now let's start exercising. Let's get ready. Let's do it. Or even if it's just a vacation to somewhere you really want to go, you know, looking at a goal out there or something that you can work towards something that you have to look forward to. That is excellent advice. Well, one last question for you. Very important. Marshmallows mm-hmm. over a campfire, slow and steady or flame and crispy? I, I don't I don't really understand the debate here. It's uh, slow <laughs> and steady. I mean, I, I have to say I have a degree in culinary arts. So do you really? I, I do. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I know I don't even know why you need to ask this question any, any further. It's a done deal. Slow and steady. It's yeah. The expert has spoken slow and steady. Right. Well, Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. It has been a pleasure. My pleasure. It's totally my pleasure. It's a lot of fun talking to you. Great. Well, we will see you all or catch you all next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs, or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode. Valentine.